Welcome to Everything Old is New Again. This show is sponsored by the Law Office of Douglas Viviani. Douglas Viviani has been providing quality legal service for over 26 years. We are a general practice firm and can handle any legal matter you may have for a reasonable fee. If you are involved in a car accident, starting a business, are planning your estate, or in need of a criminal attorney, please call 631-681-1910 or email us at vivianilaw at aol.com for a free consultation. Get the justice you deserve. Contact the law office of Douglas Viviani at vivianilaw at aol.com. Are you going to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. You ain't saying nothing yet. Go ahead and tell me. Who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You know the guy's I'll... names on the baseball team? Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first base. <laughs> Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. Welcome to Everything Old is New Again. This is Douglas Viviani again with David Cohen discussing today the state of stand-up comedy and is there a need for censorship and does it even uh, have a place in stand-up comedy? That, of course, was Abbott Costello with their most famous, and I think to, in my world, the best stand-up routine ever created. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt it's the best ever. Yes. You, it's un, you just can't match it. I mean, you can have, I, I think you can have a child listen, or, or a kid, uh, 15, your son, maybe 14, listen to that for the first time, and I don't think there's any way, if they're a baseball fan, or even not, that, that, they, uh, that they don't laugh. Yeah, it's just timeless. And, and they came from, as we know, vaudeville from the 1910s 19, to the 1940s. That general area was when vaudeville was prevalent in the, in the country, and um, the way I look at it, vaudeville was uh, was a wonderful breed. Free for all. It was a free for all. There, there was so little censorship back then. You know, you worked in the club and you, not that I remember, I'm not that old, but from what I've heard, uh, you work in a club and, and, you know, it was, a, like you mentioned, Doug, a breeding ground for uh, great comedians of the time, W.C. Fields and Abbott and Costello, to mention a few. Um, and, and it was great because they could say and do whatever they wanted. Well, I, I, I will uh, agree with you about the fact that they were in vaudeville and uncensored at that time, but the way you know them is from their clean uh, presentation of their craft on the radio in the 40s and in television in the 50s. Um, as we progress through the history, if you will, of stand-up comedy, the comedians in the 60s um, – along with the culture, fought back against the mores of the culture. It was a tough culture at the time. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, the, the FCC was obsessed with what they considered to be obscene language. Um, and anything that was considered obscene, or especially anti-war, anti-Vietnam War at the time, um, you know, if they thought for a minute that the sponsors would, would pull out because of something that was a little off color. So it, it was a really, really tough time for any comedian, uh, clean or not clean, to, to kind of stick to the script and, and not vary at all. Um, and there were a few stand-up comedians that, that stuck to their guns, though. And regardless, uh, they, you know, Lenny Bruce obviously was one of the great comedians who didn't care. And he would do his stand-up routine and walk out of the club and, and get arrested right away. Right. Well, another one of those would be, uh, would be um, George Collins. We have so many ways of describing these dirty words. It's, well, we have more ways to describe dirty words than we actually have dirty words. That seems a little strange to me. I mean, that's, that's a little <laughs> piece of a rather long... <laughs> 
diatribe that he does uh, that's called The Seven Dirty Words that was very popular and very famous, if you will, back in the 1960s and maybe the second most to Abbott Costello, now that I think about it, known famous routines. Famous yeah. routines yeah. I, I uh, think talking so. about this and trying to fight back. That's the only quote I could use, by the way, from that stand-up act <laughs> that uh, we can broadcast over the radio. Um, I, I, I see that in the 60s, I agree with Dave, there were those people, but I, I, again, I'm going to have to say that the ones that became successful were someone like Flip Wilson, if you remember Flip Wilson, uh, and his Geraldine character, and oh, yeah. uh, Flip you know, was he great. was just... I didn't want to buy um, this sorry. dress. <laughs> the devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> You know, he was he was uh, groundbreaking in his own way within the confines of the difficulties, let's call it, that were out there for comedians. Um, certainly, Bill Cosby with his "I Spy," being on the Tonight Shows, his stand-up specials. Uh, Bob Hope, uh, you know, like him or not, uh, he was the the stand-up comedian of the era, um, and. Uh, later on, the 70s and 80s, though, the erosion of this censorship came about or came to a head with comedy records and cable television. And that then spawned the advent of someone like Richard Pryor and Steve Martin. That's right. And, you know, Richard Pryor especially kind of went against the, the grain against your argument, which was you had to be clean to make it. I mean, he was filthy. Um, but regarded as, you know, maybe the single most influential stand-up comedian uh, in history. How did he do it? I mean, it, it was the censorship was it was all over the place, you know, and, and how how all in the family could get away uh, with with the topics that they spoke about. Um, yet the Smothers Brothers were, were banned for, for taking an anti-war stance. Well, I think the Smothers Brothers and uh, and Lenny Bruce and George Collins, people like that in the 60s, really broke down some of those barriers. That could be, There's yes. no That's doubt right. they broke them down. But Richard Pryor pressed them to the point where I tried to get a clip for our show. And there is nothing funny that he <laughs> said that did not include some kind of language that we could not right. use. I, I know that's an overstatement, but uh, unless I'm going to go to some of his silly movies later on when he, when he uh, if you want to say, sold out. Um, Someone like Steve Martin played the game right on the fence in my world, right in between. He didn't really use uh, bad language at all. No, but the, the let's get small, if you remember that that bit, which was pretty humorous and obviously an overt reference to uh, something other than let's get you right. fill in the blank. And he was selling out. He was selling out. My first concert was 1978, watching him at the NASA Coliseum in front of 18,000 people. Tell me a comedian that, that can do that today. Um, one comedian that's a seminal comedian in this discussion, in, in my thought, is Don Rickles. Let's just list a little bit about how he pushes the envelope. You know this. I got a reputation of being like Newsweek said, the merchant of venom destroys stars. You people in the back, this is not true. I love people, really. Ricardo, why do I kid you? Why? Because I don't like you. <laughs> Isn't this fun, Dane? He's laughing, and the Jewish guy took your wallet. I, I, I want you to know something. You, you just got married, didn't you? Is that the wife? Holy. Yeah. Take a look at what Ross Martin married, will you please? He's going, I'm right, I married a dog. Throw a stick on the floor, see if she brings it back. No. That is his stand-up to the industry, and they're laughing. And, um, and, and he, I think, used 
stand-up comedy kind of different than anyone else. He attacked his audience. He challenged his audience. And in fact, uh, I guess in some way, because at the end of all of his shows, he would talk about sincerely how he loves all and, and uh, people and, and is against prejudice. And in fact, he was not prejudiced because he picked on everyone. In fact, if you were in his audience and were not picked on, you would feel uh, some... You were slighted. Yeah, like, what happened to me? How come you're not picking on me? He was, you know, they say Reagan was the Teflon president. Rickles was the Teflon comedian. I mean, how long has he been around? 60 years, probably? Never, never any controversy yet. For some reason, I mean, I don't know why. He was always pushing the envelope and never got into trouble. It's amazing. But then again, if you think about, let's talk about success and what is success. His stand-up is successful. He's always on these television shows, successful stand-up. But I should have looked it up. Statistically, I think he had something like 10 series all of which, except for the last one, which was like CPO Sharky, which lasted like two years, I think all of which failed. I was wondering if you're going to say CPO Sharky. Or is <laughs> he going to say CPO Sharky? Yes, he did. <laughs> but I mean, that just shows like we have a question of what is successful for these people. Um, I, I don't know what your interpretation is. My of that. interpretation is look, I, being a former stand up comedian, I can tell you that. You have to remain true to who you are and, and whether you're clean because that's the way you like to work or you're blue, you know, you're dirty, the subject matter is a little sensitive. If that's who you are and that's how it comes out, you have to, you have to follow that or else, you know, getting squelched and, and trying to work clean is all well and good, but you're going to be at your best when you're being yourself. And, and censorship is just it's, – it's horrible for uh, a comedian – being at the bottom of the 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 feet, you know, the sort of like the food feeder chain. fish, the, right. the, the 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 entertainment food chain, uh, it's tough enough without being censored. I understand that, but I have to tell you, in, in my world, successful is a Steve Martin and uh, or someone that is a household name due to their stand-up routines, and then if they take it on to something else, of course, but a household name and. Then work that into a career like a Kevin James. Guy's clean. Guy's got a tremendous career. Um, uh, I, I could go on with the examples. There are examples that we'll talk about of people that I think um, take what Dave is saying a little too far. And I think there have to be boundaries at some point. Um, I'll just go back to a little walk down memory lane before we uh, end here for the commercial with Steve Martin and see if anybody remembers this song and how Steve Martin uh, parlayed this into the top-selling stand-up comedy, at least in the 1970s, if not of all time, in terms of commercial success. Now, when he was a young man, he never thought he'd see people standing in line to see the boy king. Welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. This segment of the show is sponsored by ResumeDoctorInc.com. When you're seeking to change your career, apply for a promotion, or trying to find a job, your resume is the first thing that is seen that represents you to a potential employer. Make sure your resume makes a clear, concise, and professional impression of who you are so that you can get that job interview. Send your current resume to ResumeDoctorInc.com for a free online review. You'll receive a timely reply with a reasonable quote to properly prepare your resume. ResumeDoctorInc.com has over 15 years of experience in this field. Let them make sure you have a resume that will get you noticed. Email them at ResumeDoctorInc at AOL.com. ResumeDoctorInc at AOL.com. Mr. Trump, you are someone to be admired. 
You have overcome obstacles to become a huge success. You've put up more worthless hotels than an autistic kid playing Monopoly. The last time a German looked this hot was when they were pushing Jews into the ovens. And it's just... See, that's, uh, honestly, I think I have a sense of humor. But to me, Joan Rivers and Lisa Lampanelli just now were not funny in the least (laughs) to me. And to Dave, he loves it. Oh, I love it. I I don't know. I think there's a, a time and place... I think that when you're in the marketplace of, a, of, of television and a national exposure as opposed to being in some club in the Funny Bone in Poughkeepsie, I think that, uh, that there have to be limits on what is said. I just don't think it's funny. We make fun of mentally and physically challenged people, child abuse. Uh, you're going to talk about 9-11. You're going to talk about rape, murder. I, I, don't, I just don't think I can go there and laugh. Maybe because I've become a father, I've changed my uh, attitude. But I tell you, I, I, just, I, I get offended by that. I think, I, to be honest with and you. And you listen, you're, you're offended, you're offended. You can't change the way that you react to something, and it's perfectly legitimate. Um, everybody reacts differently. I mean, to me, if it's funny, that trumps everything. Uh, but when you're talking about a topic, an off-color topic, you better make sure it's funny. Because if it's not funny, then I agree w- with you. It, it could come off as just incredibly it just, insensitive. It just as a, as a quick statement, I mean, that, that joke that Joan Rivers said, if she said that in 1948, you know, uh, there, right. there would be no laughter. So I think we, we do recognize that, and I do recognize that, that society and mores and cultures change and what is sensitive and not sensitive to people do change but that brings up to to the point of of where we are today are we as an audience uh, too sensitive right i think so look I, I i'm jewish but i love a good holocaust joke i mean look <laughs> if it's if it's funny i'm going to laugh all right and yes definitely you know the 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 theory that comedy is is pain plus time um, definitely applies there i agree with that uh, but you know Doug, censorship is different today because it's, it's not so much about using bad language, because I think it's loosened up a lot um, on TV and, and just even in, in culture. Definitely. Um, I think what's different now is that every one of us, you, me, we're all part of some kind of subgroup, okay, whether it's homosexuals or whether it's Jewish women or Italian men or, you know, what Italian men you. of a group? I didn't know that. I have to join that. I, I didn't know that. Yes, go to italianmen.com. <laughs> this portion of Everything Old is New Again is brought to you by italianmen.com. Um, you know, it, it's so whatever you say, whether you're a comedian or not a comedian, you may offend one of these little groups. That group screams and yells, and guess what? It becomes national national news, right? And and suddenly you've got a you've got two choices. You either apologize or you stick to your guns and you don't apologize. And depending upon who the comedian is, I, I've seen it kind of go both ways there. Well, I think what you're saying is when you're in a club, uh, let's say, right, and like a Michael Richards, I'm not saying what he said was funny at all, but he was testing out material, I think. That's what I heard. And, you know, in essence, 30 or 40 people would have heard that, and he would have said to himself, no one laughed at that, I'm taking that out of my act. But instead, somebody recorded that and threw it on the Internet, and all of a sudden his practice, if you will, his vaudeville, if you will, became a national you know, discussion in, in what was ended suppo- his career. Exactly. And in, in what was supposed to be or is, and maybe not anymore, the, the holy sanctuary for comedians, which is the comedy club. Right. Yeah. Right. So the audiences are, I think, what we're saying here in some ways, have are changing it in that we're not so much even thinking about, I mean, it's still there, the government with the FCC and so forth, but the audiences 
are censoring the, let's put it this way, the young comics, at least, coming up, and the comics in the clubs trying the material out, they kind of got to think, gee, is someone recording what I'm saying here? Well, you do and you don't because you, you don't want to fall in that trap about thinking about what you're saying is, is not going to go over. <clears throat> um, but it's, it's there, and, and the possibility of you, you know, God willing, becoming famous enough where you're called out nationally for something you say. Right, right. It's whether you, you know, whether you stick to your. But the only way you're going to become famous is if, let's say, in the marketplace of ideas, what you have said is funny and people listen to it. So for me, I don't go to a Lisa Lampanelli show, and I don't, I can't stand Joan Rivers. uh, With all the respect to her, what she does, even on television on that fashion show, she makes comments like that all the time. It's not funny to me, so I don't watch it. In the long run, if enough people don't watch it, the marketplace of ideas is going to work, and that shows, and that comedian is going to be out of business. Agreed. Yep. You know. Well, we've got some. Uh, anything to add on that subject? No. Uh, believe it or not, <laughs> we've we've got a, a touch of hope, if you will, for the the new comedians. What what do you find, Dave? That are some new comedians that are pushing the envelope that that are and have been successful uh, and success defined by your terms. Well, um, I think they can be successful in, in terms of anyone's terms. Um, Chris Rock comes to mind. Uh, Louis C.K. All right, let's listen comes to the to two mind. of them and see what they have to say. I was on a, I was on an airplane and there was internet, high speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. And I'm sitting on the plane and they go, open up your laptop, you can go on the internet. And it's fast and I'm watching YouTube clips. It's I'm in an airplane. And then it breaks down. And they apologize, the internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, this is bull****. <laughs> like how quickly the world owes him something. Yes. He knew existed only 10 seconds ago. Right. I was on a... I think all bullets should cost $5,000. $5,000 for a bullet. You know why? Because if a bullet costs $5,000, there'll be no more innocent bystanders. Now, of course, those are the clean portions of those yes. two comedians act. And we're saying most of their acts are, are a little more on the blue side. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, to me, um, they can be funny. I, I, I'm not one that says you can't say dirty words or what have you. Um, their subject matter in my world is not. That's what you have the issue with. Right. Right? I have an issue right. with the subject matter, not necessarily the language. Although, if, if uh, either of those two parties are on television on, on, let's just say, CBS at 8 o'clock tonight, I expect CBS to have some level of censorship that I don't hear the blue language with my, let's say, 5, 10, 15, 20-year-old, you know, in the room. That's true, because you're tuning in to a network where your expectation is going to be that you're not going to hear that stuff. If you're watching HBO, obviously your your radar goes up, and it's a different experience. Where do you, where do you hear Louis C.K.? I don't even know if people are familiar with Louis him. C.K., um, well, just to use him as a case study very quickly, so he has right now uh, a... a very critically acclaimed show on FX called Louie. And it basically, it's a little bit like Seinfeld in that it's about him as a stand-up comedian, about his family and and his experiences. Um, Now, he worked, you know, he he couldn't get on TV. I mean, he was just too dirty. Um, So he, he was pretty clever because he was one of the first comedians to use digital technology and social media uh, to get his name out there. Um, He uh, actually, I think a few years back, did a movie, self-produced a movie of him doing stand-up at the Beacon Theater, and mostly to avoid uh, piracy, but also to avoid censors and, and, you know, big networks. 
he, on his website, he sold the movie directly to the users, you and I, for $5. $5, you can go on, you get the movie. And uncensored, hilarious. Um, and, you know, a lot of the industry people were concerned about this. He made big bucks. He made a million dollars in a matter of a week. Understood. So he's someone that you would listen to. I don't mean to cut you short. We're just running a little bit on time here. I just wanted to say that on the the opposite side of the coin, we've seen Seinfeld. We've seen Tim Allen. To me, those are successful individuals, very clean. That's what uh, what I think we can aspire to. On the other hand, we spoke about a Don Rickles, and Don Rickles, to me, um, has kind of been able to break through this and in some basically told everybody listen we're all the same we're all people we can't, can't we just laugh at each other uh and and stop with all of this sensitivity all the time so we can just have some fun and by the way that'll all bring us together when we're all laughing in the same room as the melting pot that america should be if you will yes i, I totally agree with that um i just think that you know louis ck you talk about a household name okay you go back to that don rickles I'm not sure what a household name is. Um, he's won, Louis C.K. has won four Emmy Awards. He's won a Grammy Award, uh, critically acclaimed TV show, recognized as, as one of the top stand-up comedians in the country. So that's my example of maybe he's the modern-day Don Rickles. I don't know, because he, he, he can't do wrong. Well, sure not uh, Lisa Lampanelli, you know, <laughs> how hard she tries in, in my world. Uh, welcome uh, to the broadcast. To all of you that are listening, we are Everything Old is New Again. Please listen to us every Saturday night at 12 o'clock. Uh, if you miss a broadcast, our podcast is available on everythingoldisnewagain.biz. Next week, we are going to be discussing the re-release of the Beatles movie Hard Day's Night, which is going to be released on July 4th. We'll ask the question, is it enough already with the Beatles or not? Come on back.